Hi, I'm Michael Wiafe. And I'm Demetria Wack. Welcome to PolicyWise. Both Democrats and Republicans have undergone ideological shifts over the last decade, leading to varying perceptions of progress and often also great fractures between and within the two parties. As the winners of the 2020 elections take their seats, we move on to a new era of political leaders. Today, we have the opportunity to speak to a young member of the Republican Party and talk about the future of the Republican Party in California. We are so pleased to have Blake Zanti with us today. Demi and Michael, great to be on your <laughs> podcast. Very honored to, to be on with you all today. My name is Blake. I um, was born and raised in Fresno, California. Um, ended up going to uh, fre- you know represent the 559 uh, Central Valley. Go dogs. Um, ended up going to um, Fresno State, stayed local for college, um, and then um, eventually um, ended up working full time in government and politics. And that's still what I'm doing. Um, I guess it's only been a, a couple of years since I graduated. So I'm still kind of um, freshly out of college, um, although it's coming up on three years now. So it's crazy um, how fast time's flying. I currently work in the state legislature. I'm a communications director um, for Senator Andreas Borges. He's a Republican in the state Senate. I've really enjoyed that experience, um, kind of got into that role through the Senate Fellowship Program in Sacramento. Um, It's a partnership with Sacramento State and um, the state legislature. Um, I'm engaged, I'm getting married in April. And um, so I'm very, I'm stoked for that. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm really pumped. Thank you, yeah. And it's so, so exciting to have you on. Uh, I should mention to the listeners, like Blake is like a lifelong friend and we actually like served together in student government and like has been just like a huge, huge part of uh, my life and especially like in you know my decision to like get interested in politics and all that it's a really huge honor to have you on today um and i'm really excited to talk to you about your i know we have kind of um we have like very uh, like a lot of opinions that align and a lot of opinions that differ so i'm really excited to talk to you today um about the future of the republican party and um it's <laughs> gonna be a great off. discussion <laughs> i'm so excited <laughs> yeah. um yeah so so why don't you talk like just start us off and um, what does the future of the California Republican Party look like, um, in your opinion? Definitely. Well, um, that's a big question to start off with, but that's a good one because um, <laughs> I think it kind of sets like the the context in the frame of um, kind of where um, I think not only we're going as a country, but also um, as a state here in California as well. Um, so. In terms of the direction of the Republican Party, I think, um, you know, there's no denying that it's definitely changed a lot over the course of the last few years, um, especially with the recent administration. I think it's definitely been pushed in a unanticipated and different direction. And so I think that's caused um, a lot of interesting things to happen. Um, you know, I've, I've definitely seen, you know, some Republicans who um, are, you know, thinking or considering or already have left the party, um, because they maybe they don't identify, um, currently, um, with some of the things that are going on. Um, I definitely have seen, you know, some who are more reinforced in, um, you know, by current events and what's going on and reinforced in their beliefs. So it's really interesting to see kind of how, um, you know, how different people are reacting and especially leaders within the party um, among the ranks, how they're all reacting as well. Um, I think we've kind of seen a mix of responses, um, you know, from senators like, you know, Mitt Romney, 
um, all the way to, you know, senators like, um, you know, a Lindsey Graham type of figure. So it's, it's really, really interesting to look at and see this mix of opinions. But I think more specifically, um, the future of the California Republican Party is really interesting because, um, you know, there were a couple of different um, flips, I think, at the state level and at the congressional level in terms of, you know, um, new congressional representatives, either that are, you know, Republicans and that won, or, um, you know, state representatives that lost and, you know, they were beaten by a Democrat. So um, I think, and I think that's important because there's no denying that the presidential administration has influenced that and has really, you know, created a shakeup. And I think, you know, kind of, in my opinion, um, I think it's set back the brand of the California Republican Party. And um, moving forward, I think, you know, and I think this is already happening with some current leaders and discussions going on. But I think, you know, definitely it, there's a struggle to try to kind of find a new identity and and kind of create a new brand moving forward for the California Republican Party to be successful and grow. So. That's kind of my initial thoughts. And I know that was a lot of words and info, but I would love to hear um, your feedback on that and, and kind of what are what do you think the direction is um, as somebody maybe on the opposite side or from the outside looking in? Well, Either Michael or Demi. Yeah. Love Blake, to hear. You, put that, you put that in a fantastic way, I think. Um, <laughs> you, you kind of framed it without without naming specifics, which I, I love. I absolutely appreciate the brevity. Because um, once you start getting to nitty gritty details, you know, kind of gets. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I guess kind of something I'm wondering from what you're mentioning um, is kind of the policy aspects. You know, I, I noticed that you you picked out the difference between the California Republican Party and the National Republican Party. And so, of course, there's going to be a big difference in priorities and, and the, the space in which they operate in. Um, and I guess something that I see between the two is that the state party might focus a lot more on policy. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot more just policy centric rather than rhetoric and knowing that, you know, your words don't have as much of an effect as maybe the National Party does. Um, so that's kind of my initial thought is kind of like wondering where policy kind of fits as a key into that whole um, and, and how that has kind of morphed over time. Um, you know, where before parties were kind of a way to get all your elected officials, all your people under one, you know, these are the things that we fight for in every city, right. county, you know, state, everything, all of the above into now, it's, you know, the, the, the national, um, the Republicans nationally no longer have a platform. And so, you know, you're, you're kind of shifting away from this policy centric way of politics into more of, I, I guess, uh, a rhetoric based. And so I, I guess, how do, you, how do you see that? And I guess that's my response to what you were saying. How do you see that? Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Those are some great points. Um, and I think that, you know, moving forward, you know, in California, um, I would agree, you know, it definitely is more policy centric at the state level. And, you know, that's something that I kind of get to see day in and day out. And um, I think largely, um, especially recently with coronavirus and all of these different you know, wildfires, these situations going on, you know, I think that Republicans and Democrats um, at the state level have actually come together in more ways than um, opposing each other in more ways, just because of the nature of trying to solve these huge challenges that are happening and impacting Californians of all 
stripes, um, you know, all different backgrounds, they're all getting impacted negatively by these different things that are going on that are unprecedented. So, um, and if you do the simple math, I mean, I think, you know, at the state level, you know, Republicans don't have the adequate numbers to be able to um, pass legislation. So they're really forced on critical policy matters to work with Democrats, kind of build unique coalitions and, you know, kind of join up if they really truly want to see a policy or a bill reach the finish line and get signed by the governor. So um, it's it's also, I think, you know, I would definitely love to see more balance. And I think balance is always very healthy for democracy when you have, um, you know, an equal or or close to equal amount of, you know, ideas and uh, representatives kind of on both sides. I think it just creates, it leads to better policy uh, being created. Um, but, you know, I do think that there is more common ground than there is not. Um, in terms of, you know, working towards solutions. I think just that the approaches and getting to those solutions on, you know, either the, on the Republican and the Democratic side are just entirely different. And so that's kind of, that's kind of how I see um, the Republican Party moving forward at the state level is, you know, I think Republicans really need to either, you know, grapple with the fact that they're just going to be in the super minority for an extended period of time, or, kind of find ways to become relevant in the policy world and introduce alternatives or um, solutions that stand out among their democratic peers. Yeah, that's a really good point. And now I'm really thinking about that, that unique coalition building that you mentioned and how that kind of needs to be replicated um, nationally as as a, you know, as a path to unification, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it, it can serve as certainly, if you know, and not saying that there aren't heated discussions at the state level, there definitely are. But I think, you know, hopefully, you know, the tumultuous period we've experienced over the past couple of weeks can, you know, kind of serve as a wake up call for returning to kind of that unity and civility as we're moving forward. Because even though we've heard, I think, some loud cries among, you know, certain supporters, you know, whether it be, a, you know, Trump supporters or people opposed to Trump. I think that a majority of Americans, actually a vast majority are, you know, tired of the division and is ex- it's exhausting for them. Um, so I think that people want to see their leaders um, lead in the right direction. And even though the loud voices are saying otherwise, I, I don't think that's a vast representation of everyone's thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Even though it's a lot of, you know, it, it's somewhat entertaining, you know, every day. To, oh. <laughs> there's, you know, new headlines every 10 minutes. You it's know. crazy. Yeah. Some of us are also trying to get our schooling done and our work done. And it's kind of hard when you're, you know, you turn on TV and it's like the world ending every single day. Um, so it becomes a challenge. And so for I think for us as young leaders, um, we haven't necessarily seen the way that parties and officials have changed over time. And so I think that this is a moment where, you know, I think both the Democratic and Republican Party changed pretty strongly in the past few years um, in, in response to individuals and, and occasions that have, uh, you know, events that have happened in this country. Do you think that the Republican Party has changed? Do you think that, 
you know, this is the same party with a different leader? Um, and, and how do you think so or lack thereof? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, you know, I think that the party definitely has changed. Um, there's, you know, I think there's no doubt. And I think it's changed in the sense that, you know, we've really seen how um, the party has been pushed in a new direction, I think, at the national level because of federal leaders um, kind of wanting to go forward in a new direction and um, champion kind of um, a, you know, I think an agenda that really wasn't, you know, there might, there might be some things, some issues that were present before, but I think, um, you know, the emergence of President Trump um, taking office in 2016 kind of really (laughs) shifted. What's that? I said, wait, who? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, now that he's off Twitter, it's like, I feel like my my feed is just so calm now. I, I don't even know what's going on on Twitter anymore. So, uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, those types of things definitely pushed it in a new direction and um, there's no denying that. I think it's definitely changed, but I think that still some of the same principles have, or ex- have existed. I think that in terms of the brand though, uh, of the party, I think it's definitely been impacted by Trump and whether that's negatively or positively, um, whatever your listeners believe out there, I think that's kind of up for them to decide. I think personally, in terms from a California perspective, it's been kind of a negative impact, but that's just my personal viewpoint. So we think of when we think about like the division between the Republican Democratic Party, I think we think of like a very, very clear division. And um, when we think about what makes someone either Democrat or Republican, we have like these very far, far apart views in our mind. Um, You've kind of talked about ideas that I think would resonate with both parties. Um, But could you tell tell us why you resonate with the Republican Party and why you would call yourself a Republican? I guess, you know, why I kind of decided to, you know, join the Republican Party initially when I was, you know, in college really kind of harkens back to um, looking at classic, iconic Republican leaders, um, you know, that have been in, you know, prominent in politics for a long time. You know, I was really an admirer of, you know, John McCain, um, you know, somebody who was kind of a consensus builder, um, but still had, you know, kind of identified with Republican principles, um, like, you know, low taxes, um, you know, kind of having a free market economy, um, and, you know, those sorts of ideas. And I think those are ideas that I, that really resonated with me um, and kind of why initially I, um, you know, identified with the Republican Party early on. I think that, you know, agriculture um, is something very big in the Central Valley growing up around it. Um, and traditionally it's been a Republican, I feel like a lot of Republicans have always, um, you know, been strong advocates for agriculture, um, strong advocates for small business. Um, and so those types of, I think, ideas um, really resonated with me and kind of inspired me to want to continue identifying with the Republican Party. And, you know, there are definitely things that I disagree with, you know, at the the federal level. You know, I do think that there are still a lot of defining principles that I agree with. Uh, but I do think that there are huge, significant changes that need to be made um, moving forward if the Republican Party is going to kind of rebrand and survive. No, Blake, something that you brought up that I really like um, 
is that you know you have you've had political leaders and and things that have happened i guess to you in your own individual situation that have made you kind of respect um the platform and i, I think that that's just about everybody um so i'm gonna ask everybody in this question in this conversation which three political leaders best describe um your politics best and which one from the opposite side so pick another a fourth um from the ideological spectrum would you not mind working with and so I can get started. Um, they don't have to be. They don't have to be alive. So this is, you know, both deceased and with us. Um, and so I think the three that best describe mine definitely Barack Obama. Um, I am a fan of Governor Newsom, and that third one is going to be tough. But it's definitely kind of a, a battle between um, Shirley Weber and Bernie Sanders. I think, um, and one from the opposite side. You know, you already mentioned him. I'm I'm actually a really big fan of John McCain. Like, I think in 2008, I I was you know versus Obama. Obama's you know my Mount Rushmore of politicians. Um, but now that I look back, I'm like, you know what? I actually wouldn't be all that mad at a president. You know, McCain. Um, there's multiple different reasons for that. My favorite McCain moment is when you know he saved Obamacare single handedly um, at like 1 a.m. in the morning on the Senate floor, but. Anyway, uh, uh, Blake, what do you think? Who are, who are your your top and who would you not mind working with? I guess three that kind of describe my ideology would probably be Abraham Lincoln. You know, he's classic. You can't you can't go wrong. You know, with Abraham Lincoln, he's just kind of an iconic uh, figure in the Republican Party. Um, you know, a consensus builder, somebody who kind of saved the the union. John McCain, probably another one, um, and then I would. Also say um, President George H.W. Bush. Um, I think I really um, admired a lot of his like foreign policy experience. And I think that he just was a really um, good leader as well. And I think somebody on the opposite side, that's a tough one um, that I wouldn't mind working with. My Republican friends that hear me say this are going to be like, what the heck? I, you know, I do really think in a lot of ways, I, you know, I look at like President Barack Obama um, I think that he also is a really um, remarkable leader. I think he did show moments where he was really trying to build consensus early on in his presidency and work with Republicans. Um, and he also, I really like, you know, some of the, you know, messages he puts out about, you know, national unity, kind of trying to inspire the veteran people. I see a lot of the stuff that he continues to put out. So um, I think I wouldn't mind like working with him on the other side of the aisle. I, I can't help but say that that's, I, you know, I think that's a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> also, the video, I, I saw this video. I'm sure everyone has seen it, and you're, I'm sure a lot of people have seen I it, know, but of him it. making the, the the basketball shot when he's, like, on his way, like, just walking out of the gym is incredible. I'm like, wow, that's, I can't believe that. And the way so, he walked after, it's like he just came off of the NBA court. Like <laughs> it, it was incredible. So, I was that was nuts. Okay, so I think I would do uh, like Michael Wiafe and uh, Blake Zanti. Wow. Um, Can we get that play back again? Yeah, <laughs> I, I make sure that's recorded and not edited out at all. Right. <laughs> when it comes to like this side of politics, uh, it's just so like, I feel like I don't know any of these people well enough to be like, yes, like this is exactly how, like I've never seen them work behind, behind like the curtain. So like, it's hard for me to know exactly like where it would go. So I'm going to like just throw out some philosophers and I'm just going to go with <laughs> Palafiare, 
John Dewey and mm, okay. You know what? That's it. That's it. It's just like all education people, people who just really put education policy first. Cause that's like, so, and Shirley Weber. And those of you like my three on this side of the aisle. And then on the opposite <laughs> side of the aisle, you know, I don't know his name. This is so bad, but I just listened to the, one of the, it was um one of the representatives from, I don't remember where, so this is really helpful for the listeners, but he was just on the daily and he uh, is a Republican who he voted uh, to impeach Trump. And he just talked a lot about like his politics after the fact. I just thought he he just sounded like he sounded like he had a good head on his shoulders, and there was like a lot of thing. He he just looked like it sounded like a consensus builder, and I was I was a fan of of the things he said. Not all of it, but you know, I was like, okay, this he seems like he has you know some of it on straight. If I had like a room full of people, I know I talked to Blake about this. I would just like fill it with like the most like controversial opposite sides of the spectrum, like people, just so they could like duke it out. And then they can inform me on the consensus that they made. So like if I had a cabinet, it would just be people from like all over the place. They would figure it out and then we they would tell me what to do and we'd be good to go. That would so so yeah, maybe maybe Michael and Blake would be a good, a good <laughs> consensus building opposite sides of the aisle group. Yeah. I was about to say, Demi, the fact that you named philosophers, like <laughs> <laughs> that's a very demi thing to do, just like right? naming a philosopher. Like you just ended the conversation. Nobody's gonna say anything to that. Like the <laughs> yeah, I think also, you know, this is not necessarily a political leader, but more of like a educational institutional leader that I really admire. And Demi knows exactly who I'm gonna say right now. But I think um, Dr. Joseph Castro, the new oh, chancellor cool. for the the CSU, oh, um, you know, I feel like he is somebody who's just like an incredible leader um, that I got to. Um, you know, learn a lot from when I was at Fresno State, and he is a really um, incredible consensus builder and leader, and is just super intelligent guy. And just the unbelievable amounts of like pressure, moments of pressure he's been through, and just how he remains calm is like remarkable. I I wish I could do that all the time, but it's it's pretty nuts. Not to throw this like so. completely off topic, um, but do you all watch The West Wing? I've not. Okay. Okay. Uh, great listeners, show. I've watched listeners, it. <laughs> listeners, yeah. Tune in. Um, yeah. Great show. And you know, I was, I was debating it last night with a friend and I was like, you know what? I just really didn't agree, agree with Bartlett on that. And like, it's hard for you to say, cause like personally, you know, you want to agree with Bartlett. That's the president. Like he just says he's really likable character. And, um, but I was thinking, I was like, I, always, I was just thinking, I was like, Joseph Castro, Dr. Joseph Castro wouldn't have done that. Just Dr. Joseph Castro would have figured it out and would have had like all these other things planned. And I, uh, yeah, I am just such a huge fan. Um, like just an incredible, incredible leader. And uh, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought him up. I've met, I remember the first time meeting him at Fresno State and he was wearing like very casual, very chill, didn't have that like normal university president kind of aura about them. Um, and and is just one of those leaders that you just can't make up, like you you just cannot you just cannot make the dude up. Um, okay, so the question I want to ask both of you, <laughs> so you mentioned um, this this kind of in your responses and throughout the episode um, when you say consensus building, what necessarily do you mean by that, especially in a political um, or do you mean it in a policy sense where you kind of making everyone agree, or how do you build consensus? Um, within this kind of spectrum and why is that important for, for leadership and, and even how you might view the way that they kind of package their policies as well. 
Um, I definitely think it's like the, it's probably one of the hardest things to do in, in politics, but I think, you know, you see the, re- I feel like in my opinion, like the real leaders emerge when they're able to kind of garner consensus on an issue. And I guess in terms of what does that really mean? I think in, it's both in a political and a policy context. I think that, you know, you really, you need both. Um, and it, it really entails just trying to find common ground and find, you know, negotiate, basically negotiate and try to find the, the middle ground on whatever policy or whatever political stance that, you know, you're going to take is. And um, I think it happens internally within parties, you know, Democrat or Republican um, trying to form a, a position on an issue. And it definitely happens across party lines trying to, you know, be able to get a bill passed or, you know, create some, you know, find a solution to a challenge. Um, I definitely think that um, in terms of like what it really like specifically entails, you know, there's a, there's a saying, I don't know who said this, but um, it's something that I always kind of like keep in the back of my mind is um, always strive to make a principled compromise without compromising your principles. And I think that's something that's really important. So, you know, did you say that? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you must be a one of my philosophers that I was reading the other day. I I don't know. Um, I remember hearing that somewhere and I just thought that was a really good way to approach things. Like, you know, there are definitely principles that you have um, that you, you know, aren't willing to compromise on like values that you are, you know, raised with things that you feel like are important to you that you're not willing to negotiate. But you want to make sure that you're also being reasonable and trying to reach across, work with other um, people and be open and understanding of their perspective and experience as well. Uh, probably, and it, you know, our, our basically our opinions are really shaped by our personal experiences, how we were raised, our environment. Um, and I think that's something really important to understand. So when somebody is saying they experienced something different, it's really important to have that open um, mind, in my opinion, to be able to reach that middle ground. Um, and so I think that's something we need more of. And, you know, the real, I feel like the real leaders in legislative politics are the ones that are able to bring people along with them on both sides of the aisle on an idea or an issue. Are there, like, what are the values for you that are like, that you're not going to compromise are? And are there any of them that you think are like strictly, you know, strictly Republican? Um, or, you know, do you, do you think that they're more cross-party values? It varies from person to person. I guess, you know, when I think of values, there are some that are relatable to like a political party. I guess when I think of values, I'm more thinking of like, like deep rooted values, not just like party values. So I'm thinking of like, you know, treating people with like, you know, common respect, you know, showing, I guess, you know, show demonstrating like an honest and open approach to an issue, um, kind of those sorts of things, because I think those are principles that kind of guide um, discussions and kind of guide you to reach a solution. You know, it, I think it varies from person to person, you know, they could be some people really firmly believe like, oh, you know, no taxes. That's like my principle. I, I firmly believe in that. And that's a value of mine. So I think 
you know, it, you really have to find out what you, the person you're working with across on the other side of an issue, what their values are and the things that they're not willing to compromise on, but the things that they are willing to compromise on and maybe um, negotiate on a little bit. So like, I guess for me personally, they're not so much party values. They're more just like human values, you could say. Because of the way that they kind of went about, you kind of lose that factor of it. Right. Like you you forget that you forget the difference between political and human values um, because of the I guess the method in which they're brought about. Um, but Demi, I, I, I still wanted to push your thoughts on consensus building. My thoughts on consensus building. So I guess where I differ from Blake's statement is that I don't think there are values that should never be critiqued and shaped. If you are someone who's trying to really learn and understand and put yourself in other's shoes. So for me, when Blake talks about core values, that was my like initial approach. And I have to say when I, when Blake talks about just like human feeling, human values, I think I can really like resonate with that and align with that. Um, And I think the things that like I would be unwilling to compromise on in that sense would be the feeling that people deserve to be treated fairly and equally and with respect under all circumstances and that people should be able to have the freedoms without compromising the freedoms of others. Um, and I think that's like a really key point. And for me, like that is like a really like tied down value of mine. Um, but when it comes to like stances on an issue, you know, maybe Blake and I are on like different, like on the same, same line, but maybe like different parts of the spectrum of how we feel about this. But like, I, I really feel like values should completely, can completely shift depending on like new information that comes about and new information that you receive. And I also feel like a strong value that I hold is like actively trying to, to figure out, figure that out. So it's like actively trying to have your mind be changed. When it comes to consensus building, I agree with Blake in the sense like, yes, like it's so important to listen and understand that other person's viewpoint however when it comes to consensus building you're getting such like a filtered thought like unfortunately the way that our democracy works is it's not an important democracy so if you're debating with someone who's in the seat against you you're likely going to be debating you're not debating with like a actual representative reflection of what the u.s looks like say that i'm like a federal representative you're debating with people who a lot of the times like the majority of which i just don't feel like is yet could be completely reflective of the way that our world works. Um, you know, there could be a lot more representation, in a lot more areas. And if that was like the total case, if we had a perfect ref, ref, like reflection, if campaign finance laws like weren't a thing and, <laughs> or I guess were more of a thing, um, I think that would be a big step in the right direction. Um, but for now, I think there's like a lot of information that you have to take into account outside of the conversations that you're having with an individual, especially in these positions, just because I just don't feel like it is like that representative. If that makes any sense, if everyone keeps what I'm saying, otherwise I can like re-come back on that. Um, but I do feel like I'm a huge fan of taking in other people's perspectives. But at the end of the day, like you have to speak out extra for the voices that aren't being spoken for at all in those spaces. Um, so that that's kind of my opinion on consensus building. <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, I think, you know, and that's like a valid, you know, I think. I think definitely people's values do shift over time. I would I would agree with that. Cool. Thank you well, for putting yourself in my shoe, Blake. Choose Blake. <laughs> I was trying to have an I was trying to openly, you know, make myself change my mind when you were talking. Um, and that's what you were talking about, Demi. So I just wanted to really embrace what you were saying. 
Thank you. So, so I'm going to bring up something somewhat controversial, I think, in, in some circles. Uh, Blake and Demi, have you both seen um, Obama's kind of quick critique of um, the defund the police kind of slogan? Yes, I have seen it. Yeah, I think I think I saw something like from him on Twitter or something. Basically, he, he called it a snappy slogan um, and, and essentially said, you know, something like that is, is going to have a very difficult time getting through the snappy slogan of defund the police is going to have a very difficult time getting through um, and actually trying to create change. And they drew a lot of critique um, from activist communities, basically saying that you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to kind of change your language or change the slogan to kind of fit the, the, the white community that you're trying to piece to um, is, is the, the baseline of that argument. And so Obama kind of came back and said, you know, that's not what he was going for and that there's, there's kind of a, uh, basically, that's not what he was going for. And so this this has been a huge conversation. My personal opinion is basically that there's there's kind of a difference between rhetorical and campaign um, consensus building and, and sort of with the slogan where you're just trying to get as many people on board as quick as you can. And then I think that there is a, a difference between that and, and policy con- consensus building, right? Where you're trying to push something across, kind of what Demi's saying, um, with you're trying to convince 100 people from these places, these specific individuals to pass something. You basically have to talk to these people individually and get their individual case to pass um, this bill instead of hoping that just one phrase will work and, and kind of do the point. And so I think Obama was coming from like a political policy standpoint where it's just like you have a map of every senator and you're trying to get everybody across the finish line. A slogan wouldn't work for that, right? You would you would really have to have those individual conversations with folks. And so I guess, Blake, to, to that, the, the question that I have for you is, A, if, if you have any thoughts on that. Um, and, and I guess, how do you see this kind of slogan consensus building, you know, build the wall, pushed a lot of people away, but also pulled a lot of people in right off the bat. And whether or not that was actually what was trying to be done, that's what everybody saw it as. And so do you think that that was part of the way in which some of the Republican Party might have changed in the past few years? And and do you think that there are more key issues that Republicans, um, especially in California, might be taking aggressively and, and maybe what kind of unique consensus might be built? through this a lot of a lot of dimensions to that that question but I, I love it um i think that if there's anything we've learned over the past couple of weeks i think it's you know rhetoric and words are important right they matter um and that they can really drive people to take action one way or another uh positive or negatively or, or take no action at all um it, it really just depends on what the rhetoric are and what or what the rhetoric is and what the words are. Leaders kind of try to steer the conversation by introducing their own perspective, their own opinion. Um, I don't really know what Obama's intention was with trying to, you know, kind of attack the slogan, I guess, so to speak. But it's it's possible that he, you know, was trying to bring more people on board. Uh, maybe that, you know, people that were like traditionally pro-law enforcement, um, you know, folks or communities to maybe, you know, or or maybe try to get past this, the, um, the association of defund the police as like eradicating the police, um, you know, and I think I, I'm trying to be objective in that statement. I, I have my own personal feelings on it, but, you know, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I, I think I'm trying to be objective in like that's that may have been his intention. I don't know. I think, you know, with, but definitely in terms of like a Republican perspective, you know, we've seen how rhetoric 
um, is very important. It motivates people. It, you know, can incite, it can, you know, cause people to, to follow and do things. Um, and it's really important to, you know, choose leaders who, you know, yeah, maybe you, maybe you love their ideas. Maybe you really agree with a lot of their ideas or the, the general concept of what they're fighting for. But if they are somebody who, you know, can't communicate effectively, that's such a critical quality of a leader is to be able to effectively communicate. And if that's something that, you know, they're not able to do, I think that, you know, people really need to kind of stick it, take a step back and, you know, look at whether or not this is a, you know, a good person to support. Um, you know, that's hard too, because we also live in a, you know, and the, you can vote for whoever you want. You know, we, we don't want to be limiting in the fact in factors of, of leaders as well. You know, we want it to be an open society where people are able to vote and choose their leaders who they want. But I think that, um, you know, definitely, I think a lot of the rhetoric has definitely shaped the Republican party and pushed it in a, in a direction that it's going to be tough to, um, kind of salvage the old, I guess you could say, Republican Party that once stood before. I have to, you know, I'm so sorry to the listeners because I just started watching The West Wing and now it's going to be in every episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the show really does challenge, like, you know, you can have like the, like these ideas of like these philosophers in your head of this, you know, kind of utopia perfect world. Um, of like consensus building and everyone's getting along and we're all working towards the same thing. Um, but then you watch a show like this or you actually, you know, you kind of feel like you get like a lens into what's happening, like, and of like, you know, behind the back scene of politics. And there's just so, there's so much that goes into it. And Michael, I think you really hit it on the head of like the importance of rhetoric. The, I, what I have to say about it is like, I understand Obama's point but I also have to say that his rhetoric, like, I just think that that's that like that he should have been a lot more careful and more direct and more clear about what he meant. And it should have been way more like constructively critical than just anything that just, it just, it's super, super negative. With that said, I, I do think what he is trying to do is what Blake captured, um, which is like trying to, to draw in the people who who are, you know, pro-police. Um, so Blake, would you tell us, uh, just to kind of wrap us up, it's been so good having you on, on the podcast, um, but you also have a podcast yourself. Would, would you want to introduce us to that and then also say like any last comments? Um, sure. I, I, I got to admit the podcast has been very inactive over the last um, <laughs> several months um, just because um, I actually, I do it with a friend of mine we call it um, real people, real coffee. And it's really just about um, the aim. It, the name is kind of tacky, but the aim of it is uh, to kind of just have real snappy. gen. Yeah. It's it, you could call it snappy. One could refer to it as snappy maybe, <laughs> um, but um, it's, it's kind of the aim of it is just to have like real genuine uh, candid conversations with people about, uh, and, you know, particularly we love having like young professionals on just kind of, you know, what are they, what are they doing in their community? Kind of what's their, what's their goal? Um, you know, what are they doing in their career? How did they get into it? Um, and so that's kind of the aim of it. We haven't done it recently because, um, and this is a great format, you know, this, this virtual format that we're doing, but our aim is to like have guests on in person. Obviously that hasn't been um, safe to do in the last uh, many months, but so we're just kind of putting it on hold, but we're hoping to kind of take it up again. Um, and, you know, also I kind of got 
sidetracked on producing it during the election um, that I, I ran for when I ran for local office. So that's kind of also how it stopped as well. Um, and uh, but hoping to take it up again. Well, if anyone ever wants to reach out to me, I'm on, you know, social media. Feel free to, to reach out or, you know, if you want to respond to something I said, um, please feel free to do so. If you're young and you're, you know, you're feeling maybe that you're not a part of the, you know, the policymaking process, but you're interested in like, you know, getting involved, running for office, doing something like that, um, you can absolutely do it. Um, I attempted to do it. I wasn't successful, um, but I think it was a really rewarding and valuable experience. And um, it definitely, you know, just having the opportunity to be able to do that and try to be a part of the process is something that is so valuable about our country. Um, so if you're, you know, no matter what political party you are, what your beliefs are, I think if you're interested in getting involved and you're a young person, um, definitely, absolutely do it. Um, get involved on like a commission, get involved on like a, a local board or, you know, run for elected office, get involved in community organizations, uh, because that is, you know, you can make a difference doing that. And you don't have to be a, you know, somebody who's well into their, you know, career or much older with more experience to be able to have a say and make your voice heard and represent a segment of um, young people that are, you know, coming up into the workforce now and um, emerging. So definitely encourage you to look into that if that's something you're interested in. This was a podcast recording of PolicyWise. We are your hosts, Michael and Demi. PolicyWise is a production of Youth Leadership Institute in partnership with California Ford and their Young Leaders Advisory Council. Jared Amonos produced this episode. If you want to find more great youth content, check out YLI.org and be sure to subscribe to PolicyWise on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. It really helps. To discuss this episode, engage with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PolicyWisePod and hashtag your discussion with hashtag PolicyWise. See you next time for more youth voice and policy discussion on PolicyWise.